Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Olympic qualification is up for grabs at the Oceania Sevens in Suva and Papua New Guinea's World Cup-bound cricketers return home to a hero's welcome. But first, after their stunning upset win over the world champions Australia, Tonga's rugby league team are setting their sights on World Cup glory. Trailing by six points at half-time, the Kingdom roared back with tries to Michael Jennings and Tavita Pangai Jr. on Saturday to prevail 16 points to 12 in front of a familiar sea of red fans that made up the vast majority of the 25,000-strong crowd in Auckland. It's their first-ever win over the Kangaroos and comes after a tumultuous few months behind the scenes for the team and its management. A leader in the Tongan community, Manase Lua, told Indira Stewart the team played out of their skins. They played for the community, they played for king and country. Uh, they made us all proud. You know, end of the day, all the drama, all the politics aside, the community rallied. Uh, this was the team that uh, the people all backed. And there's no, you know, they didn't care about all the all the noise and the drama outside. That's, that's for other people to worry about. All we wanted was to make sure the players were able to play uh, and that our supporters were there. To, you know, you know, back them. Yeah, Tonga couldn't be beaten, but at the end of the day, as you say, their fans remain undefeated as well. That sea of red, they were back on Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. We're so proud. You know, I just want to thank our Tonga community for, for backing the boys. You know, at the end of the day, uh, there were a small group of us who, who tried our best to rally the troops. You know, I mean, I was on um, social media trying to do my little bit. It's the least we can do. You know, the boys bleed for us on the field. It's the least we can do to bleed for them outside to rally the troops. Um, you know, I'd like to thank also Exeter, uh, the chair, and also Una Taufa and his committee for the commitment. If it wasn't for the Matematonga Aotearoa New Zealand uh, committee, none of this would have happened. And for the little island nation of Tonga, these boys have really put the kingdom on the map. Can you explain what this means for Tonga and its people, what these players have done and the sacrifices they've made to put on the red jersey? Oh, it's huge, Indira. As you know, they've made personal sacrifices beyond um, actual reason, really, and logic, because most people at their level would have opted to play for the Kiwis or Australia because they were given that first option. But they chose first up to play for Little Tonga for a few hundred bucks, you know, stipend, mm. uh, you know, not a lot uh, compared to the tens of thousands they would have earned and all the huge support, all of the um, equipment, that they get when you play for a tier one. So they did this for the jersey. They did this for their passion for their country, the king and country. And they did it first, you know, um, most of all for, for, for their fans. And one of the criticisms of the Tonga National Rugby League board is that under Christian Wolf, the team had lost their last three games. Do you think these victories over the last two weekends are going to silence the critics now? Actually, a lot of the, the reason why the team probably lost those games was all the friction happening outside. You know, but what they've what they've learned is that put that aside, 
focus on what they do. The team should never have been dragged in the middle of all of this. Mm. Um, all of that stuff is, is in, indicative of problems at a governance level in Tonga, and that needs to be sorted out. So the, the Kiwi community here said, let, let you guys sort that stuff out. We're going we're gonna to back our boys. We don't care about all the politics. This is, this is a sport. Leave politics out of sport, and we're going to make this happen for the boys. And we took the hit, but hey, I'll gladly take the hit for the boys. And looking ahead to the next Rugby League World Cup coming up 2021, what are your hopes for Tonga? Well, you know, we're a humble little country. We're not going to count our um, chickens before they hatch, but, you know, (laughs) we've got a lot of work to do. It's a long time, and Australia will be back. You know, you know, you know, Australia, they are the world champions, and there's a reason why. And we know there's a huge mountain to climb, but if anyone can climb it, it's Tonga. That's Tongan community leader Manasseh Lua speaking with Indira Stewart. A ticket to Tokyo was on offer to the best men's and women's teams competing at the Oceania Olympic Sevens Qualifier in Suva this weekend. The Olympic qualifying event is being run alongside the Oceania Sevens champs, with 10 countries vying for one automatic spot in both the men's and women's draw. World Series regulars Australia and Samoa are expected to be the main contenders in the men's competition, with Fiji and Papua New Guinea the frontrunners in the women's event. The Tonga men's coach Davita Tuifua says his side are going into the qualifier with high hopes. It is a uh, very important tournament for us, not only for our program, but for the uh, future of Tonga Seven. Because I guess the the Tongan Sevens team, you made a lot of progress last year with, um, you know, the World Series getting back on there and having a couple of appearances and uh, the World Cup a little while ago as well last year. Uh, um, but you know, if you can get yourself to an Olympic Games, I mean, that would really be taking it to another level, wouldn't it? After last year, I think it's a big learning curve. For the, it was uh, totally a, a new new group that we put together in the squad uh, for last year. So most of, uh, majority of them will be, this the second year of involving with the 27. So I'm expecting uh, performance-wise to be more improvement than compared to last year, so. As you say, it was quite new last year. So what's it been like having this team now with you training regularly for the best part of, you know, 12, 18 months? Uh, um, what sort of progress has the team made? So far, we, uh, in terms of uh, the game understanding and the learning experiences they have, it shows uh, throughout the, the group that we currently have. Uh, it's not only that uh, on our preparation, we had a few uh, club here in Auckland that did big help uh, in terms of our uh, preparation, which includes uh, Ardmore, Mariston and Auckland Rugby. Uh, last week, they have been assisting us to, with a few games on their club, uh, Auckland Cup 7. So it's a big learning and it's a big improvement so far in terms of preparation. Yeah, I guess uh, you, you guys have been you know, playing quite a lot of those local uh, tournaments. So you've been getting quite a lot of match play, albeit at maybe a lower level. But you, you know your your match fitness and your your match readiness must be uh, must be up there. How, how regularly has this team been playing? Yeah, in the last uh, twelve weeks, that when we started training. Um, however, we managed to play in a couple of uh, big big tournaments before Auckland Rugby uh, Sevens last week. So it, it is an advantage for us to have our preparation here in Auckland, uh, where centre to not only for the local players from Tonga but it was from Australia as well so that's pretty much the plan that we have going ahead, um, going forward with the minimal resources that we have I think we try our best to be aligned with what we have in hand. 
So the 12 players that will be taking to the field in Suva, um, uh, have they all played for Tonga before? Are there any new caps? And, and what's the sort of experience levels? Yes, we have, uh, in our group, we have three of them. They've been with Mailer 10 um, this year, and a couple have been with uh, Tonga A for a few seasons. And the rest, they have been playing the national uh, uh, sevens for the uh, their union here in Auckland. So uh, it is it is a big uh, improvement uh, experience-wise compared to uh, last year. And uh, in terms of the format, now there's 12 teams, I think it is, is that right, competing uh, in, in the men's draw. Not all of them, of course, uh, need to qualify for the Olympics. So how, how does it work in terms of what do you need to do to get to Tokyo? Yes, uh, we have two pools that we are fighting for uh, for one spot. We need to win our pools we, uh, and then we play the winner of the other pools. So... It's, it, it is the same format as we had on the Pacific game recently. Okay, and, and so you've got, what, uh, in your pool you've got Australia, Nauru, American Samoa and Vanuatu? Yes, that's correct. And I guess uh, you know, Australia stands out there as obviously the biggest threat, so you, you need to beat them in the pool stage to have any chance of going to Tokyo, is that right, or, or automatically anyway? I, I believe that we have every every team in our pool stay all a threat to us. Uh, we are treating them as the uh, same as Australia. Uh, it's really hard to tell um, and to have a, 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 an idea. Who, who, for, for, in terms of Manuatu, they have been preparing over in Fiji for the past few weeks, uh, I believe, and even American Samoa. So we, we're just expecting to be a really, really tough uh, uh, tournament for us. So we are treating... Um, Pretty much all, all the things that we have in our board are all the same. You know, there's one automatic qualifying spot in the men's and the women's competitions for Tokyo, but four years ago, Samoa and Tonga went to the final sevens qualifying tournament, which I think was over in Monaco. Uh, so I, I presume there's also a couple of spots available for a, another final qualifying chance, uh, you know, one final opportunity if you weren't to win. Is that right? Yes, mainly we uh, out of this tournament will be uh, one from Algeria to qualify. Uh, which is the winner of this tournament. And the second and third will into a ripper charge, I believe it's next year. So out of the six region will be second and third will be, uh, so it's 12 team, teams all together for the ripper charge tournament. And that's one divide from there to be the last one to fill in for the 12th in the Olympics. That's the Tonga men's sevens coach, Tavita Tuifua. Meanwhile, the Nui men's side is embracing their difficult start to the Oceania sevens champs. The Rock have been drawn in the international pool and opened their campaign against World Series and Olympic champs Fiji before taking on the All Black Sevens, New Caledonia and Japan. Coach Tony Edwards says there are 10 new caps in his new-look 12-man squad. It's always something we go through every year, um, but, you know, uh, we, we just take it as it is uh, when we get the time to um, regroup with the boys. So we've only been with the boys uh, since uh, Saturday. Um, had our first training run on uh, Sunday and our second one today. But, you know, looking at the boys, uh, they're pretty much prepared, um, you know, to uh, regroup and to uh, train together. So uh, that's the positive thing about it. So, you know, we've got um, nine nine boys from New Zealand, um, Auckland, and uh, we've got two from Sydney and one from New England. Um, so that just brings the mixture together to um, time gel for this week. And um, in terms of your squad of uh, 12, how, how many have represented Nubia before? 
We've got the two who uh, were in our last year's squad. So basically we've got a new bunch of boys. Um, at the same time, we just want to make sure that we develop them, um, you know, and we're consistent with that development. But like I said, you know, it's, it's trying to track those players down and, um, you know, to ensure that we've got the best to represent. So who, who are the two coming back? Leslie uh, Talini and uh, Keonte uh, Tuali. To have such a high turnover, is that, you know, partly due to form, partly due to availability sort of thing? Yeah, um, you know, and it's always the case, you know, it's actually finding those who are available uh, at the time. So um, with a lot of them uh, pulling out with injuries as well, um, our old players, but, you know, we we just got to try and push on. And so it's a, a little bit different, the Oceania 7th this year, of course, because it's also an Olympic qualifying uh, tournament for a number of countries. Uh, so there's three pools and you guys are in the other pool uh, with Fiji, New Zealand, Japan and uh, New Caledonia. So th- that means you guys aren't, are you guys not able to compete for the Olympics? Is that is that is that? Yeah, we're, well, we're not um, we're not Olympic um, members. Uh, so, but you know, it, it, we still need to qualify. You know, within the Oceania, we need to qualify for the uh, World Circuit, uh, which is uh, Hamilton, Sydney, and Hong Kong. So, you know, we still have an opportunity for um, qualifications. So, so what's the process for you guys? Because in the other two pools, it's the two pool winners that go through to the. Uh, Olympic qualifier, uh, otherwise for the actual Oceania 7s as a whole, what would you need to do to get on the circuit? You know, we would need to either come first place or, or second place. So it's still difficult for, for us coming from Niue. But, you know, in a game of sevens, it's anyone's uh, opportunity. And I guess uh, it's going to be uh, quite the uh, quite the opening when the first game you have is against the hosts, defending champions, <laughs> uh, World Series title holders, Olympic champions. They've got everything under the sun uh, I mean, that's one hell of an opening. You know, we, I mean, we're focused on, um, you know, on this week's tournament, you know, knowing that we've got Fiji and New Zealand um, and also New Caledonia and, and Japan. Um, but, you know, the focus is getting that opportunity and, uh, you know, and also exposing um, our players to that kind of level. But, you know, the spirits are high for the team. Uh, they are looking forward to uh, go against uh, the, the, the big guns, um, you know, and, and show so, so they should. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take away the passion that they do have for rugby and, um, you know, and they're going to give it all uh, this weekend. You know, that's as tough as it gets. So, you know, if you do well there, I guess it could be a huge confidence boost. And that's what it's all about, um, you know, and that's just for them to believe in themselves um, that, you know, going against uh, the big bigger teams uh, in this tournament. But, you know, uh, they're going to face it and they're, they're really excited about it. Um, our preparations in the next couple of days will determine uh, how we how we go in the weekend. That's Nuwet Men's Sevens coach, Tony Edwards. Papua New Guinea's men's cricket coach, Joe Dawes, says qualifying for next year's T20 World Cup has the potential to grow and set up the sport in PNG for the next 10 years. The Barramundis finished runners-up at the qualifier in Dubai last week and will be one of 16 teams competing at the Global Championship in Australia next year. Joe Dawes says the team received a huge welcome upon their arrival home in Port Moresby. It was really nice. The families and, and supporters of cricket were at the airport uh, with a bunch of the media and then um, they all came then back to the cricket house and they put on some food and a bit of a reception for the boys. So um, it was a nice way to finish off a, a long flight just to, for everyone to spend some time with their family and friends and, and to probably just really get to share in how much excitement there is yeah, because yeah, for, for what we've achieved. Do you get a sense of what this could do for the sport in PNG? It's obviously a, you know, reasonably thriving sport anyway. But it's a, you know, it's a competitive marketplace out there. Uh, do, do you get a sense of, you know, what this achievement could mean for 
you know, young people in PNG, whether they might want to suddenly pick up a cricket bat now or, or whether it might help with sponsorship and all that sort of thing for the grassroots and the top levels? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a really important time for us where there's obviously a lot of interest and, and a lot of support behind us in, in the next 12 months. And I think it's a real big responsibility for, for Cricket PNG to make sure that we, we take advantage of that um, and set up not only the next 12 months, but, you know, potentially the next 10 years of cricket in this country. So in terms of the next sort of 10, 12 months leading into that tournament in Australia, uh, what what is the schedule like? Because obviously T20 is going to be the super focus, you know, the main focus now. You've got that tournament, but obviously you have other commitments around that too. Yeah, we've uh, we've already put a lot of planning into to next year. Um, I guess that was the advantage of qualifying pretty early. So I'm uh, actually sitting here this morning putting together um, the month or six weeks leading into the World Cup. But we're going to have a real focus on our 50-over cricket for the first six months next year. That's that's still really important for us, and we've had a slow start to that. So we want to um, really nail the home series that we've got here in June. And then, you know, we'll really turn on to T20 cricket after that. But, I mean, they work hand-in-hand hand anyway, really. It's still white ball cricket, so it's not like you're um, going from test cricket to T10 or something like that. You know, right here in New Zealand, as I speak to you, obviously England and New Zealand are going through, I think, a five-match T20 international series. Uh, is there any prospect of you guys getting some some blue chip or some higher-profile, um, you know, T20 international matches against, you know, fellow World Cup nations, you know, over the coming months? Well, not in the short term. Big, big issue for an associate country that wants to play a full-member nation. Is, you know, they're happy to play here as long as we pay all the bills, and there's not too many associate countries that can afford that. So. You know, it's just a bit of a, a shame the way it's all set up and, you know, there's not that real desire from full member to come and play us in a money-driven market, I guess. But, you know, we're going to open it up to hopefully host some sort of a, a tri-series or a quad series leading into um, the World Cup and, you know, we'll, we'll open it up to the, the teams that we've got relationships from. But if one of the big dogs wanted to come and play, well, we're never going to knock them back. You know, anyone's welcome to come and tour this great country and play some cricket here. And I suppose having the World Cup in Australia, a lot of your players uh, either play club cricket there at various times or have been involved, you know, a few of them with big bash teams as you yourself have. And obviously you guys train and play a lot in Brisbane especially. So the sort of conditions, I guess, that uh, in Australia a lot of your players are going to be familiar with for this World Cup. Yeah, we're just one of our jobs this week is, is arranging hopefully six of our boys to go down to Brisbane and Canberra over the next fortnight and play the, the summer of cricket down there, get some experience into them there. And, you know, we've got a lot of cricket planned in Australia next year. So, you know, it is home for us, really. Uh, the boys are very comfortable in Oz. They like going down there and, you know, it's obviously home for me and, and, and a few of the staff. So, you know, we're excited to play some cricket in Australia. You qualified and, and then you won your semi-final and then runners-up in that match against the Netherlands again in the final. Uh, you know, what's the big sort of take-home in terms of not the qualification, but I guess on the field in terms of performance and, and how you guys played. Played some really good cricket there and I think to come back from 6 for 19 in that last pool game and, and to win that game to get qualification was obviously a great experience but also a really good learning curve for the boys that if they stick to their processes and things we talk about, they can win from any position. Yeah, we've got some work to do. We've still got work with our middle order, with the bat and just being consistent uh, with the ball. But, you know, we made some good, really good strides with some of our younger quicks this tour, so I'm really, really happy with that. And, you know, the boys, 
say about a 50-over cricket that they, they bought into what we're trying to achieve. You know, could not be happier with the progress we're making. And, you know, we've got another 12 months to nail it before we get to the World Cup. That's the Papua New Guinea men's cricket coach, Joe Dawes. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley, as always. Thank you very much for listening. You can listen to this and other programmes on our website, rnzi.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.